G'day and welcome to hell. Hi everyone, uh, this week we have a special episode for you. We're interviewing Jackson Irvine. We had the great pleasure of meeting him in the Levi's room at the Millen Tour. Um, just had a bit of a chat really. Hope you all enjoy it. There might be some some problems with the, the audio. Um, we're, we're still quite new to this. It's our first time doing an, an in-person interview. So there might have been a few hiccups. Um, just have to forgive us for that one. But hopefully the chat was good. It was great crack, wasn't it, Connor? Yeah, I mean, it's probably podcast 101 uh, to not record <laughs> in, a, in a room with the AC running. So uh, we'll, we'll learn from that. And I think I got a bit starstruck, uh, <laughs> if you want to say. Like normally when we go out uh, with him, it's, it's Jacko, it's our mate. Like I don't want to give away too much already. But there's a part where he starts talking about the fan culture at Sao Paulo and just like the, the district of Sao Paulo very early on. And I think it's from, from that moment on that my brain just goes into fan mode and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, tell me more. Like, I just want to listen to you talk. <laughs> so uh, if, if that, was, that was what it was for me, I hope the listeners will enjoy it just as much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um yeah, and thank, thanks to Jacko, obviously, for giving up his time. Really appreciate it. It was off the back of a grueling double session. Um, I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was go talk to us three arseholes, but yeah, fair play <laughs> to him. Um, yeah, so as I said, we're, we're new to this. We don't have professional equipment or anything. Um, so if you do want to help out with that, you'll find a link uh, in the bio of our social media where you can make a donation or help us fund more sticker prints, things like that. Um, we just did a run of podcast stickers and Eric Smith stickers, and we're sending those out soon to, to whoever's asked for them. So we want to try and keep that going as much as possible. Um, we start off just with a little bit of music that if you're a huge Jackson Irvine, Irvine fan, you might actually recognize. Who was that then? Jaguar's was great song. Yeah, absolutely tremendous. That would be the best high school band out of Southeast Melbourne in 2009, I think. That's, <laughs> that's what I say. No, that was, that was my, yeah, near my mate's high school band. We were called Take It Easy, Danny Allen. Where did that name come from? It was the name of like a kid's book that was like one of our members' favorite books as a kid. And we, we named ourselves after that. And obviously it was naturally trying to be in as obscure and indie as possible. Oh, whenever like you're young and you thought everything was super deep, you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, naturally, like, yeah, it can't just be. As you get older, it's like the simpler the better. But when you're young, you got to try and be as pretentious as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and were you on guitar or lead singer? Or what? Oh God, definitely not. I was very clearly a female singer, so thanks for that. But <laughs> well, puberty hasn't kicked in yet, right? So. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no. I play guitar. Play guitar. Um, that was probably spent as much time doing that. In the high school years, is, is playing football. To be honest, like yeah, especially with these guys, we full summers just in my mate's basement playing music. It was it was great. Yeah, we but yeah, we were uh, kind of fell at a at a funny time just after we recorded. It was literally maybe a month later I got my trial at Celtic and oh, and off I went. So it's funny how it goes sometimes. So you had to like choose at some stage between music and football, or was it always football? Not realistically, but. Um, you know, at that point, you know, professional football was an absolute pipe dream, you know, like mm. living in Southeast Melbourne playing essentially not Sunday league, but like a good semi, call it semi-professional level. I don't even know what you'd call it in, in that context. But, um, you know, the idea of playing professional football in Europe was in, was nowhere near a reality. So, you know, playing music with my friends and trying to be in like a barren little but you know, that was more, I don't know, it felt more realistic maybe. But then literally it all just went in a flash in front of me from there. So, yeah, as I say, it's just it's funny how things work out. Well, how did see, the bandmates react whenever you were like, right, see you later, I'm, I'm off to Scotland? I think, but I hope they were more gutted that it was their mate leaving than a band member. <laughs> 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 to be fair, um, you know, it was, yeah, we were really close and I'm still very close with, you know, the couple of them. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was strange. Like, obviously for me, it was an, an absolute dream come true and everything but partly was also like had all this other stuff going on in your life as you in 16 and you just had to just up and leave it all which isn't always an easy thing to do 
Well, I mean, you were Triple J accredited, right? Up and coming here. So it wasn't just like a couple of kids playing in a garage here. Is, uh... That was that was our, yeah, that was our claim to fame. I think we've got a fair few players on Triple J, Unearthed High, which is like a, you know, um, alternative music, alternative music station in Australia. And uh, they do two competitions for, yeah, unsigned bands. And yeah, we, we got quite a few players in that back in the day on there for, as you say, for, for, for what we were. So yeah, uh, I do. I do miss it. It's funny listening to it sometimes because it, it just yeah it brings you straight back to like I said, being in my mate's basement in the summer, like playing tunes. It was great. What were you sort of like basing your sound off of back then? Like we were really into like a it was a pretty niche like kind of post hardcore scene mm-hmm. floating around that time. But like you can probably hear from that a lot of like evanescency kind of like that. Yeah, I don't know. It was like post hardcore, but like power rock yeah. kind of sound as well. And but obviously quite softened with, with like a female singer. It was, it was, we loved it. We were like music geeks. Like we all studied music at school. And, you know, like I was probably the weakest of the musicians in there. Like they were really, really talented guys and, and, and girls. And, um, like everything, as I say, it, it's so pretentious at that point because everything you do is so like precise. Like we had to, try and get everything in there that we wanted from a song at that time. It's quite mm. funny, but yeah, we, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. And if you were, we were talking before we had record that Connor plays bass, uh, you play <laughs> guitar, you have a mate on, he's a lead singer. So mm-hmm. if you were to, to start a band now, what sort of music would it be the same sort of thing or? Oh no, it'd be, I'm, <laughs> I'm nowhere near technically good enough to play that kind of play that genre anymore. We'll go straight up, like maybe like Aussie pub, garage you Cold know red. rock like yeah just like yeah, nice yeah, like straight chords a bit a bit dirty a bit grungy rough around the edges that's the one is that me. what you're listening to now is like your kind of vibes yeah i'll listen to a lot of a lot of that at the moment so um yeah i think that would be pretty cool for me i'd be well into that nice we have to fucking get started on that then well, yeah as long as i get to say as well and what kind of music we play right i've got full freddie mercury there i'm now just passing through line this is what we're doing now we're you know follow the way so is that something you can see yourself doing then again, uh, maybe when you're hanging with a boot, right, to play in a band again? Yeah, I go through phases. Like of, um, I actually just got in, my girlfriend to be honest, got me a guitar for my for my birthday, um, and I haven't even had a chance to, to pick it up yet. It'll be in a week, so I'm going to try and get get back into it and and get playing. And, and then you never know, I guess. As I say, I go through waves, but when you're around other guys that play and yeah. other people that play, it's, it's it brings it out in you a little bit more. So, yeah, maybe we'll have to look into that. None of the lads in the squad are musically inclined, are they? Or? Not that, not that they've made overly clear. I think there's a couple of piano players. I remember one time we were in a hotel somewhere on the away game, and there was a piano in the hotel, and a couple of boys had a fiddle. But I'm struggling to remember who. But um, I think we've, I think we've got a couple in there. But Is it like a notice board? You can put like a searching band members or something. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I need to put one of them little ones on a community notice yeah, right. board and just let somebody. Yeah, Jackson Irvine seeks band members. Band. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The band's definitely going to be called like Jackson Irvine and the Jackets or something. <laughs> Can't wait for no, that. Definitely not. Playing all the dirtiest clubs on the river band, <laughs> sleeping underground like the Beatles, <laughs> trying to get your big break. We'll be playing underground at Riverbound Station. That's where. That's where we. Playing gigs, man. So, well, well, there's the barber shop where the Beatles got their haircuts, so maybe you know yeah, that's where they'll commemorate where Jackson gets his haircuts. Well, no, I, don't think stuff so. right. well, I get my haircut in my living room, so all right, so <laughs> it's your Mila, the fucking the one behind this. Is your girlfriend the one behind this? This iconic hairstyle? Oh, and, and at the moment, yeah, but we do have uh, one of our good friends is who's just opened the new salon actually, and, and on uh, uh, Mark Strasser, and that's going to be now I've got a place to go to get my hair done, so I can I've got no more excuses for, for home jobs. But Jamila's done a pretty good job. She's kept me. She's kept me tidy for for a few years. Yeah, happy days. Um, yeah, so I guess we should talk about Saint Paul. It's something. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we, uh, we we kicked off with music. But, I was going to um, say, I'd, I'd kick a football around on the weekend. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pays the bills, like you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, like thanks for joining us. It's been it's been a long time coming. I think we initially spoke about this in November, um, mm-hmm. and then. Something kind of got in the way. Yeah, There's some sort of event. Did some stuff on since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that shortly, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, so thanks for that. And uh, there's been a change of tone and atmosphere around the club, and uh, things have changed in uh, how you approach things. And we've we've added a team member as well with Gunner. So <laughs> we were 
our notes preparing for this initially in November were just to slay you and like hold the sword to you and stuff. But yeah. we've, we're coming a bit more more warmer now. So I've tried, um, like, maybe there's some science in that. Uh, maybe I've timed it. Yeah. My, <laughs> my moment, seven in a row. Ah, oh, that's a good time. Uh, maybe, <laughs> okay. It's all down from, from here. <laughs> exactly. Like you're saying. exactly. Get in, get in while, while the iron's hot. Yeah, and uh, you said you just had a double training session as well. Mm. So the extra, like you're, you're drinking some juice there to mm. get the energy levels up. So yeah, mm. thanks for thanks for jumping in. So I mean, it's uh, in preparation. This we we tried to infiltrate your birthday party as well, and we sent some spies in <laughs> and to get some stories from your family, and ultimately failed. Like they got so drunk, they're still hungover right now. <laughs> My uh, family or the interviewers? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I think both sets, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so I think yeah. That was the comment that I read. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we wanted to start with Sankt Pauli and start to get a feel for, you know, I mean, we're he sat here right now in the Milan Tour for anyone who's watching the video, but those aren't and listening in, then we are set in the Milan Tour, which is awesome. Um, we just wanted to know, like, how does the atmosphere in the Milan Tour, especially on big match days, what kind of goosebumps, what kind of feels does that give you as, you know, you're walking out there, the, the gongs are going, the fans are roaring, there's a, the stage is set. What does that kind of do to you? Yeah, it never gets old. Like, uh, it's every time it's as good as, you know, as good as the last. Obviously, there's some particular games that are a little bit more epic than others, but generally speaking, every week is, every home game is special. And um, like, even speaking to my family who are all over here this week, you know, who have been to watch me play throughout my career at some, you know, up and down the UK and then, you know, in clubs and, you know, different in different areas and stuff. They've never, they'd never been here before. And, for them, it was like a a real, you know, blast of like in the face of like, whoa, this is like what a football atmosphere can can be like. You know, <laughs> you know um, obviously, especially with the um, the protest that took place, not the protest, but the you know support for the movements that happened during the week as well, and everything. It just yeah, you know, it was a perfect kind of game for them to witness to see what this club's all about, and it was so clear and. Yeah, obviously for me, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, but I love seeing it through the eyes of people who come here for the first mm. time as well. I'm sure it's the same whenever you guys have a friend come or someone who's never been here before. And it's just like, you see that just like, whoa, this is just like nowhere else. So, um, you know, even I was fortunate enough to take them on a little, um, you know, tour down, walk them down the tunnel and, and see, you know, a bit of the stadium as well. And there's just no place like it. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's special every time. It's you're right though. It, you can sometimes forget how how different it is. You know, if if you're there every week, then you can almost take it for granted. And it's not until you bring someone along who's never been there before, and they're like, "Holy shit, is it like this every week?" And you're like, "Yeah, of course." Mm-hmm. And then you have to remind yourself for the first time you came down Melon Tour and you were like, "Fucking hell, mm-hmm. this is absolutely wild." Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And that's what I think. That's the biggest. The best, yeah, one of the best parts of it. it's like anything that you you love and is part of your life when you get to share that with somebody for the first time and you get to witness them experience mm-hmm. it and the atmosphere here, the whole match day experience, not even just the atmosphere here, but the being, you know, obviously like I live locally and seeing being it for them to walk along to the ground and be a part of the as I say the match day atmosphere. It's uh, as I say, it's, there's just nowhere like it. So than I've experienced anyway. Um, so yeah, and then that was for me this weekend. That was a particularly special part of it. Again, to talk to them about that and let them kind of get a glimpse into you know, what's my reality here every week, which is which is so amazing. Yeah, it's, it's uh, easy to take for granted, I suppose, but it's good that you know it's not being overlooked and it's still a something that gets you each time. And as you say, I guess each game, especially the the bigger derbies, Hasfal, Kiel, etc., they 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 resonate a bit louder or a little bit. A little bit differently. Yeah, I suppose like any in anything in football, you, as a player, you can feel when there's that little bit extra in yeah, the air. Sparkle, right? Yeah, it's like um, and you know, sometimes it's it comes from you know the the feeling between the two clubs and the fans, or sometimes it's because it's a Friday night game, or you know, and you can feel that buzz. I don't know. There's just it's it's, it's not always the same but yeah of course there are games where there's just that extra little bit of spark in the air that extra little bit of energy in the in the stadium and um so easy to latch on to here and it's so easy to get on top of other teams when that you know as even as we saw the other day when we're in a really hard moment in the game a really one decision goes your way the lift that comes we go up the other end and score and next thing you know the entire game's flipped on a 10 yeah um just through 
that bit of energy that we can that can be created in, in the stadium it's it's pretty crazy that that can happen that was it was almost tangible that feeling Yo, like, you know whenever you. because you were captain in the team that day right and you gathered everyone in the center circle because we eventually the goal got ruled out but we thought we were going to be two nil down mm-hmm. and whenever the the decision came through that we were still at one nil and we were more than and with a chance of still coming away with three points just like the fucking you could really feel like this this energy just rolling through the crowd and you, it must transmit itself onto the pitch like right? oh absolutely and um, as i say like when we were i got the boys together in the middle and just to have you know it's nothing special it's just to reset now everyone yeah. look each other in the eye be present be like right whatever happens now we don't let this get away from us you know all the all those those little things and then you get that i don't think any of us are actually expecting that goal to be ruled out so then you have that, as you say, that turn, you feel the lift and then it's like, right, you know, and then, oh, great. and then it goes, as you say, we go down the other end and score. Um, and then it's, a, it's a totally different game. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask. Did you know that that was going to be offside? No, I don't think any of us really had any, had, uh, had that feeling in, in the moment, but, um, you know, that's the magic of the, of the technology. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was close. There's like a breadth of a hair in it. So. Oh, shit. I haven't seen the, well, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Don't, don't watch it. All together and then. The goals chalked off. Yeah, the spirit of even more is close. Listen, you know, I like to think with VAR they even themselves out over the, mm-hmm. I don't know, over a season, two seasons, your career. I don't know. Eventually, <laughs> they do. We've had a, we've had a few shockers here as well. So, um, yeah, you know, when they go your way, you just gotta gotta ride it because you know eventually that's probably gonna there's gonna be one that gets think in your way. The back end of last season, especially Jesus. Yeah, some there of the a few stinkers there. You know. But the one that obviously come that sticks out was the Bremen. Oh, the man, and handball, the handball, and handball. Yeah. I think in that moment, in that time, in the season, in that game against them, who you know, mm-hmm. one of your promotion rivals, that was a really, really hard one to take, especially when he went to the camera and looked. Yeah. But listen, that's it's part. Of, it's part of the game. The referees make the decisions. They whether you agree or, or don't agree, and as you say, that you like to think that eventually they even themselves out. But does it like frustrate you even more having VAR whenever the decisions? aren't correct because as a fan you know before VAR you could sort of accept human error as a part of the game but now whenever you know that there's a guy sitting there looking at exactly what you've seen mm-hmm. and for some reason he's decided not to yeah. you know give the handball or give the penalty whatever yeah. it might be it must add a, even a little bit more frustration to I think that's very diplomatic of you <laughs> I think if we if we rewind pre-VAR I think we used to probably give refs just as harder if not a harder time True. I think that's why we put a technology in place just to help them and support them listen I'm very much of a, I'm a VAR acceptist I don't know what you want to call it advocate for it advocate hey. yeah no like it's part of the game now it will be a part of the game I think moving forward I think it will only get better you know I think when you look at it's only been five years, not even four or five years. Yeah. In the in the oh. the big picture, it will improve. It will constantly improve. The technology will get better, and it will just it will. I think eventually, as you say, I think the conversation will go away from whether or not it's a uh, you know it, the conversation around officiating football matches is never gonna is never gonna change whether this technology plays mm. or not. So for me, it's just one of those things you're just accepting get on with it and as you say hope that they even themselves out yeah, I mean you mentioned there a second ago on match days uh, coming to the stadium mm. we were talking earlier about like how do you get to the stadium what's part of your your match day routine because I guess you'd be because you well, live local right, yeah, right. But so I guess you're not taking you a helicopter without <laughs> getting completely mobbed <laughs> <laughs> well that, that did become a little bit of an issue like at one point but nah everyone's pretty everyone's pretty chill especially before the game when they know you're you're on your way in but um now we like the we meet earlier in the mornings we don't just normally we used to just meet an hour and a half before the game or whatever in the stadium so you'd be gone at a peak right you right. know like arrival time so um now we get there a bit earlier so it's it's not as much chaos but even after the game it's nice to to stroll down the street and be amongst fans and that's win lose or draw you know you just get to as you say live a bit of that match day experience with the, that's with the partners is that something you were able to do at other clubs or is this Never like in the to really? Oh, yeah. oh god no. Wouldn't wouldn't have even dreamed of it. Wouldn't have even dreamed of it. Um and listen, I don't know if that's because of St. Pauli and, you know, the way I feel as part of this community and everything, or is that maybe 
where I am in my life now and the person that yeah. I've grown into and am I more, just more comfortable? I don't know. It's probably a bit of both. But, yeah, at other points in my career and other clubs, there's probably no way I would have ever, um, you know, put yourself in that kind of position, especially, um, you know, on a match day. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like that's just when the intensity is turned up to a kind of even a, a higher level. So, yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely unique to here. So you feel at home here and comfortable now in Hamburg and St. Pauli? Yeah, and have done for a while. So yeah, it's definitely that's as you say the reason I'm so comfortable doing it. Can you can you like pinpoint the moment? And so obviously you've been here now almost two years. Is that, yeah. So can, can you come to a moment maybe being the main captain or something that you say yeah, that that is the moment I really arrived at the club now? I think obviously being made captain was a like a you know I've always kind of gravitated towards leadership positions at most clubs and even, you know, international level in different age groups as well. And um, just kind of part of my nature and the way I approach training and playing and being a part of a team. And um, But to be in, in a new country with the language barrier and, you know, coming in here as a, you know, as a relative unknown, I guess, I know I've played international level and stuff, but... Um, yeah, obviously being made captain was a huge, that was a huge moment. But I think, but I think before that, I think, um, yeah, there was a few, a few moments. I think scoring against Rostock the first time around last season. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the 4 0 game here, um, that was like a real, I, I probably didn't even, I probably didn't at that time understand what that meant yeah. here. And then I remember the reception that I got afterwards and speaking to people and everything that, people thanking you in the street for, you know, for, you know, I don't know. And it was just like, was that on your way home from the game? Yeah. <laughs> oh, just in general. I mean, yeah, yeah. just like, I don't know. I probably didn't realize um, how important certain at that time, certain games were in certain moments, especially in the, you know, cause that was in my first kind of few months here. And um, yeah, I think for me, that was a real moment of like, oh, okay. Like when, you know, if you, if you're, yeah, are part of the community and, everything in, in that way, then, yeah, I don't know, they welcome. I felt so welcomed at, at that time, I suppose. That was, that was probably a big moment for me. Hmm. I suppose if you're actually living in St. Pauli as well, then it's hard to avoid getting caught up within the whole culture of the, not just the club, but the area mm-hmm. and the c- club values that, that that entails, you know? Yeah. I think it's funny, like, I, I spoke, I've spoken about this a bit as well, um, you know, having being in Hamburg and being here for a while now and everything, I think... If I just come here to not play football and to just be here, I think it's the area I'd have gravitated to anyway. You know, I think it's just so in line with my personality and my values. And it's just got, um, I think it's, yeah, it's just, it felt, it felt, it felt so natural and, um, very fortunate to be, to be able to be live in the area and be a part of the community. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, it just fits so well within my lifestyle, our lifestyle, me and my partner. It's, um, yeah, as I said, I think it's there and I've gravitated towards either way. Were you aware of like those sort of club values before you signed? Was it something that um, was explained to you or you just happened to know? Or Yeah, like obviously through the Celtic connection, I knew a lot about St. Pauli, um, like over the years and everything like that. And, you know, I'm a big follower of football culture and football fashion and things people know and when it comes to um, fan culture and as it even just, yeah, obviously the political and social culture have been part of a football and community. This is like as one of the, if not one of yet yeah, the biggest clubs in the world in, in that department. And um, so obviously I was, I was quite aware and, um, but probably again, not to probably the same level that you can ever be until you're a part of it. You know, I mm. think then it, you get swept up in it all in a totally different way. It was similar when I was in Celtic. I heard of Celtic, of course, living in Australia, I'd watched, US Cup final 2003 and you know as a kid growing up and I knew Henrik Larson I knew this and that then I went there and you know was lived in Glasgow and lived and you were just like oh my god this is a this is a different animal altogether and it's a, quite a similar feeling coming here to, to when I went there what a disgrace that UEFA Cup final was by the way oh no fucking hell hard to, hard still to. not over that one yeah <laughs> But well, since you mentioned Celtic, like, I mean, I'm sitting here in a Celtic top, it'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't ask you one or two questions about it. As I more than anything, my mates would probably fucking kill me. Um, but I just say, I think you're the first player to play for Celtic and Sampoli. 
I think um, – is that right? Yeah. I think uh, you might be right because I think I've, I've had a couple of people – I don't know if it's 100%, but if that is factual, then that is a pretty cool – Oh, yeah, right. Jason, especially since there's such a yeah. historical connection that's what I mean that to be the you, case you go in the club shop and it's the only other mm. badge that you see anywhere on the wall and on any merch or anything in that half and half scarf and you say I was yeah it's pretty cool to have, if I'm if it is the case I'm the only one who's played for both or the first to play for yeah. both because I'm sure I won't be the last oh and let's hope so yeah, yeah. <laughs> get our moy over yeah <laughs> I'll get I'll get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get in his ear in March so um, I was just wanted to ask about like if you feel a bit more comfortable expressing your personality uh, whenever you're at St. Pauli because I think you'd be the first to say you're not the, the typical footballer you know and I remember hearing about Scott Brown threatening to tie you to a chair and shave your head at, at Celtic um, and a couple of weeks ago you had black nail polish while you were playing I could only imagine what Scott Brown would make of that I'm sure he'd fucking rip them out with pliers yeah. or something <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and that'd be the warning shot right <laughs> yeah exactly obviously you, you weren't scared to do it at Celtic because you still had the same sort of fashion sense and taste in music but do you just feel a bit more comfortable doing that here or did you never give a fuck I think it's a bit of a bit of both I think um, naturally when you're younger I guess like with all young people you just you, you're more aware of what other people think of you but I never really I was never really bothered I always kind of most of the, I'm sure most people who I've ever played with in my career would say I always did my own thing um, but I was kind of always constantly aware especially the older players in dressing rooms the ones that like yeah because they're more so when I was growing up those players were, were so influential in a dressing room like I think nowadays that kind of balance in dressing rooms is, is not is not so much I think football culture has changed and probably for the better yeah, there's less <clears throat> fear involved for young players <laughs> like there was when we when when I was kind of growing up and even worse for ones before me but yeah I think um it's a bit of both I think I've always kind of done my own thing but as I've gotten older and the places as I've gone in my life and every the changes I've made in my life probably just made me constantly more comfortable and it's hard to say whether coming here was like it has has made that amplified that more or was coming here part of that you know i don't know in a way as well it's 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 it all kind of ties into each other but as i say just it's just been it's been so nice to be in a place where you can i know grow and express yourself constantly in different ways and be so accepted for it and um you know it's it's as i say maybe it's it's an interesting thought to think would would i be so as I've, I've always been open with, with a lot of things, but would you kind of push it that little bit further? Yeah. Here? Because you know you can. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. that actually made me think about how you've been involved with like FIFA Pro recently. Mm -hmm. You're an ambassador for them now, right? Um, and you also just touched upon how the, the culture in football is changing, which I guess is something that they're interested in too. Mm -hmm. Do you reckon that like getting involved with that side of thing, I don't know if you would call it activism, but more being involved in like a, a trade union. Yeah. Is that something that you could have seen yourself doing anyway, or is it just being in, you know, St. Pauli in particular? So such like activism driven mm -hmm. and just being surrounded by that every day, did it give you more of like a license to do that at a, at a club like this opposed to somewhere else? And being elevated to that kind of captain status as well, right? Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah, true. Yeah. Like, as I say, it's, it's funny how it all kind of ties in with mm -hmm. each other yeah. and in the timing of everything. And, um, you know, kind of growing into that position within the national team where I was asked to then be, you know, one of the executive for our PFA, our players union in, in Australia, um, which is kind of how I've progressed into this role. And it was through, you know, um, us as players pushing to learn more about Qatar and, and the issues there going forward into the world cup that got me in contact with people from thief pro through their pro, the programs and education that they gave us. And it's all kind of, as I say, it's it's definitely all ties into each other and being part of this community and being a part of this club, which is so um, supportive of, of of that kind of, um, you know, of, of unions and of, you know, um, collective bargaining and all of the things that come with, with being a part of that. And as I said, I think it's just all come with, for, for, for me, um, wanting to, I don't know, be a part of, 
football people in football who are just constantly obviously you're there to protect and support the players but to actively try and make the game better and improve mm. the game moving forward for for players for fans for for everybody and you know to even just have a small role as a voice of a, as i say on a, on, a, on a council on the global players council that i'm on now it's just yeah it's 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 pretty i'm obviously extremely honored and grateful they asked me to do it and it's not something i take lightly because it's a responsibility to be able to try and help guide football into a, into a better direction. And obviously being a part of this club helps me have those values and push them into, you know, try and making the game better. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned uh, in St. Pauli as well, the camaraderie and within the team is quite a young team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the incident earlier in the season with Eric Smith and his hair and your boots situation. So like, how did that come about? What was, is, is there any more kind of these, bets or dares you have running at the moment you can divulge because that's 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 like the, the bromance aspect of football behind the scenes, right? <laughs> that was the worst bet I ever made. He looked ten times better with his head shaved. I, was <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was thought I was winning a winning a bet and I just made it better looking. Um <laughs> no it's um yeah we do we there's constantly little things like yeah, this right. going on in football dressing rooms and um yeah that was a that that was that was a good one. I, I put my mustache on the line for that for that fact, oh, but right. well. you didn't put your hair on the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not was definitely not <laughs> yeah. There is absolutely nothing I could gamble, I would gamble my hair on. Um, but I did put the mustache on the line. That's for a that big one. ticket item. That's uh, yeah, I know, but it doesn't take quite as long to come back. So I'll, um, but no, it was a uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. But uh, what was the bet actually? Because <laughs> it was quite controversial. I remember. I remember sitting in a pub once having to adjudicate on this and I wanted no part of that. Yeah, I yeah, know, literally. I think Eric Eric still Eric still claims it was uh yeah, he was hard done by, but we both I don't know why we thought, but we both bought a pair of like proper old school copers and the bet was we have to you have to train in the copers every day until somebody doesn't train in them for some reason. Like mm-hmm. anything. And it sounds like it sounds simple, but in modern football it's uh it does make a big difference. <laughs> so um, no, we, we were training in these in the in the Copa Mundials every day, and then I actually think Afiz stood on Eric or something and ripped um, ripped his boot, and I, I gave him a week to replace the boots to continue the bet, and he failed to do so. And then I have to hold my hands up and say there's got to be some kind of technicality there. But he feels he feels like he was hard done by. But so a fees gave you an assist there. Yeah, I was going to say, cheers, a fees. You got you saved my mustache for a, for a short term at least. No. Fair play to Eric though. He fucking followed through on on the bed. He yeah. got rid of the hair. Yeah, I did. I think it was. Yeah, it's one of them. It's pre-season. The sun was shining. Everyone was everyone was in a good mood. And that, actually, the other the other part of the bet was if he lost. Um, I, I said I'd wait until after his wedding because he got married in the summer. Um, and um, so I, I waited till we got back for preseason to do it. So that's, so, I think that's me. It's very gracious of you. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, <laughs> I, think, I think that's me being a good mate, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Have you renewed the bet? Is there another? Not at the moment. Not nothing, the moment. nothing running? Yeah. I think we'll, uh, yeah, we'll try and come up with something. But I'm not keen to put the massage on the line at any point soon either. So I'll have to find something better. <laughs> I think it helped Eric out. Like since the, the hair went, he got, and crack and form yeah. just because he looks like a fucking psychopath yeah I was going to say he shaved his head and went to centre half and it's, <laughs> it's just never <laughs> looked back never yeah. looked back so um, no he's, he's he's playing amazing at the moment um, he's such a plays such a pivotal role in the way we play in that position being able to mm-hmm. move between the middle of the back three and midfield and you know so much of our play goes through him and um, you know he's yeah he's hugely important player for the club and obviously he's signed the new contract and stuff and you know, in the dressing room, he plays a big role as well. Um, one of the, you know, worst well-liked players in the dressing room too. So now we're lucky to have him. Did you have a role in him signing that new contract? Because I know you're, you're good mates. Did you twist the arm a little bit or was he just happy to stay? Uh, yeah, I don't think he needed too much persuading, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but uh, no, I was uh, I was definitely in his ear constantly, just, you know, just giving him a little nudge here and there. And now, nah, but we're, as I say, we're good mates. We talk a lot of that stuff out and, um, you know, it's it's good that, as you say, we're both in a position now that we want to be here to, That's to kind of help 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 the club and the team progress over over the coming season. So, yeah, we well, not just the coming season, but next season beyond as well, right? It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, and for you know, if, if just moving forward and just knowing that you've even just you know doing something like signing a new contract makes a pretty clear statement to to your you know your mindset of where we are. So, 
Um, I think he yeah he shown that on the pipe, on the pitch as much as anything as well. Can I ask? Uh, How does Eric like playing his new position? Is that something he enjoys, or would he rather be playing back in midfield? I think he's, I think he's enjoying the kind of flexibility it gives him to be able to, you know, I think defensively it's given him a totally different role, um, which I think he's thrived in in a lot of ways. Maybe not his preferred, but he's definitely grown into it. But with the ball, I think for sure, I think he enjoys the flexibility of being able to come out and and drop into that three, and that's something he kind of used to do a little bit anyway. It's not yeah. so it's. In possession, it's not too dissimilar to, to roles he's played before. Um, but as I say, I think with everybody, with this new system, relatively new system, which is constantly learning and adapting and, and getting better at it. And he's, um, as I say, he's one that's thrived in, in, that, in that new role. Well, it's rel- you know, obviously we, we, we went into, he went into that position under the old um, regime before the change, but you know, it's definitely become more, more flexible as, as it's moved forward. Yeah, things, things are going well. Obviously, uh, and uh, in a much brighter position than we were pre-Christmas. But in a few games' time, there's a, a big local derby against Hasfal. How like there's some new faces within the team. So Dapo, Mets, uh, who am I forgetting Morides. here? Morides, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, do you have to take any time to explain the situation to these guys, or is it just a another? Every game is a big game in the current situation. It doesn't really require any extra effort. Yeah, I think at the moment that's definitely the mentality. Obviously, when you see the fixtures get released, you have a little peek and you want to know <laughs> when that when that one is because it's it's natural. It's the same at any club when you see those kinds of games. You want to you want to know where they are and you know oh, is it Friday night? Is it Saturday night? Where are we playing? It's the you know you, you like to know. But in our current situation, um, the next three games are you know every game is important as any now. The next ten games. Yeah, exactly right, <laughs> exactly right. But um, you know we've put ourselves in a position where. Um, you know, the first, I think, you know, coming into the first half of the season, the first three games were, were, were going to be so important, gave ourselves that little bit of a breathing room. Now we've gone on a little bit of a run and now we're in a position where you know, we can apply some serious pressure, um, to those in and around us. And, um, the mentality is strong. The boys just want to keep winning and winning's a habit. Um, we're on obviously probably the best run of most, all, almost all of our careers. And we just want to keep it going, just keep stretching it. Just, no, you know, you can go and do something. We've already done something pretty amazing, but we can do something seriously special. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just got to be the mentality every day of just trying to like focus on getting that next three points, next three points. And we're doing it in different ways. We've played great football and, yes. and played, you know, played teams off the parks. We've had to counter attack. We've had to have scrappier games. We've, you know, we're finding different ways to win, which is what top teams do. And mm-hmm. sure. um, if we can keep doing that, um, put ourselves in with a great chance of, of winning any game. So is that what the squad look at? Is the squad talking about promotion or are they just taking it actually like game by game? Yeah, to be and that's me being brutally honest. Like we really the conversation is not really advanced any further than like it's I've always, I always think in football it's better to look at like windows and gaps, you know, and look, this international break is like a little gap. You know what I mean? And we've got one game to go and you know that's like a that's like a, a phase gone you know what i mean so we'll get we'll focus everything onto this next game then you can have a a week to come down from it and then you look at the next you know little group of games and you think what you know what can we get out of that um there's still a long way to go there's a lot of points to be played for you know i've got to play um all tops we've still got to play all all the way from home that's right um there's points to be there's points to be had there's points to be lost for everybody um it's exciting and you know it's just so it's great to be in a position now with 10 games to go where we're even in that conversation where I think, you know, obviously um, a couple of months ago, that was, a, a, you know, not something anybody probably would have expected. Without doubt. Yeah, fucking flying though. It must be <laughs> absolutely buzzing. Well, I love it. You just add simplifying well, yeah. well, that just fucking hell I'll go back to the next training session just going like lads we're getting promoted that's yeah. the, the end of it and I'm all here and everything yeah. else you say you talk you talk to Luke cliche shines we're going on none of this modesty nonsense just, uh, straight, yeah, exactly. straight in I talk the good talk you have to do it yeah. I mean I'm sure confidence has rarely been higher at the in the squads since you've been at the club obviously some some great times last season mm-hmm. um but shattering records right now, like, must feel unbeatable at times. Yeah, as I say, I just feel like even that little swing and during the middle of that, in the middle of that first half the other day, it just feels like, feels like we're in that zone, we're in mm. that place where, you know, and then 
yeah, I don't know, players are producing moments of quality when need be. Um, you know, Nico's had a couple of unbelievable games over this over this period as well. Um, you know, it's just it just seems to be clicking. Yeah. And um that's yeah, that's not that's not chance, that's not coincidence. That comes from the staff pushing us, that comes from the players buying into what we're doing, all the little things. Um and you know, it's 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 funny in football sometimes you you try and point to why you can have such a drastic turnaround and mm. and it's nothing major. You know, mm. I can't look and say, Oh, it's because we did that or it's because we did that. It's these all these little things that um you know, they just they just add up and and uh you know, everybody's doing that that small thing that, that's just helping push us in that direction. I think it's just like human nature to try and put everything down to the one reason because we like simplicity yeah. whenever in actual fact it could be any number of reasons that also include luck yeah or <laughs> like yeah. we've had a couple of slices of that recently as Absolutely, well but right. as we said we, we weren't getting that last year so no. you hope that it does even out eventually mm-hmm. um, we said about uh the team chipping in as well and i think that's been true across the board there's no sole goal scorer i think last year we had borg Stella and chire who were at the forefront of the, the goal contributions mm-hmm. they dried up and then Shit hit the fan mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, and we saw a video, uh, with for your birthday, uh, uh from Burton Albion. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, a lot of headed goals in there, of course, yeah. which, which we're used to here at the mm-hmm. Million Tour, uh, and in the Sanctipali colors. Um, but there were a few bangers with your feet as well. Mm-hmm. So we're wondering, why are you depriving us of this joy? <laughs> when are we going to start seeing some absolute belters? Um, let's come, let's come on. When was the last time? I think I think that was I think 2016 was the last time I scored from outside the box. So oh, really? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't um yeah I wouldn't right. be looking forward to end too many of them anytime soon. But no, yeah, I did. That was um that was the definition of I had a six month spell there where everything I hit, everything I hit went in. I think I had eight goals at Christmas, you know, from center mid. Nice. It was one of them. It was um things were landing on my head in the box, things were dropping for me in the box. It was um yeah, it's nice. You don't go through many spells like that in football. So, um, that was a good, oh, that was a, that was a good, a great season for me. And, um, yeah, I'm, as I say, I, I think I hit one at, I hit one at Hillsborough, left foot volley first time from, from outside the box. And, um, as I say, I think that's definitely a once in a career. <laughs> once in a career, mode. But I'll, I'll try and I'll try and I'll try and put one. Little. I don't think I've seen you have many shots at all from outside the box for no, Poly. No. You're just too busy getting in there to get your fucking. I was going to say, on the end yeah, of it. exactly right. When when you got Packer and Manos, you can cross the ball. They can. It's it's definitely better to be in the eighteen yard box. Yeah. Than the hey, no, I mean, we'll enough. we'll take headed goals as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. They, all, they all count as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And your t- your time at Burton Albion, like. I think I heard you say before that's where you really sort of came to the fore as a as a professional player, and you think that was significant turning point in your career. Yeah, I think those, to be honest, those clubs, the two Ross County and Burton, those two clubs, they just propelled me in such a short space of time. From you know my first loan from Celtic was at Kilmarnock, and I had a really tough time there. Like I was playing right back, playing centre half, playing oh, left wow. midfield, playing. Couldn't get a run in the team in the middle of the pitch. We were struggling, you know, and we were a young player on loan. And, you know, I wasn't playing great, but I was getting passive from the fans. Um, and, you know, we, we we put a run together at the end of the season and we stayed up and it was all, you know, kind of fine because in that in that way. But the next season I was no man's land, you know. Celtic, had, I was kind of out of the picture in the preseason. Um, and Ross County were the ones that took a punt on me and, you know, they were in a real tough position, and as I say, in, in a basically a short period of time, I had a, a great season there. We won a, won a national trophy and one year in the championship. And next thing you know, I was at, you know, whole city had just come down for the Premier League and playing with, you know, Michael Dawson's and Sebastian Larson's and you know Abel Fernandez and you know playing with you know Fakayo Tomori, playing with you know. Alan, yeah, Alan McGregor and David Marshall were our two. That were our two goalkeepers, you know, which is just <laughs> wow, absolutely wild. It was an insanely talented squad, and um, yeah, those but those two seasons just took me from yeah, like relative anonymity to kind of being a championship international footballer. So those two clubs put me in a really obviously crazy position in a very mm. short space of time. But not without the hardships beforehand. You imagine getting absolutely yeah. slated by yeah. by the Kelly fans. Yeah. How did what age were you then? Was it difficult to 
to get around or was it water off a dog's back? Can you just laugh at it? Oh, listen, I, I was I was pretty good at dealing with it. It's not great. Like I remember, yeah, like they really, really were on me, especially in the, <laughs> in the beginning. And it's tough to see. I remember I've told this story before, but at Christmas time, I think we were second or third bottom kind of struggling and um, they wanted the gaffer out. They wanted the owner. They, they, there's a lot of animosity against the owners at the time. And there was like, you know, obviously we have the fanzine, mm-hmm. um, fan magazine at the stadiums. They did like, a, there was a fan version of the club magazine because they didn't want to give any money to the club <laughs> at the time because the owners, they had their own fan magazine and the, the, it was called the kill, the killy, um, um, oh my God, it's got around my head. What's the quick pantomime? The killy pantomime or whatever it was. And they'd just pl- put my face on the donkey <laughs> on the, on the cover of this, on the cover of this magazine. So that, that made it pretty clear. <laughs> Do you have that like hung up somewhere as motivation? I'm pretty sure <laughs> a couple of my mates have still got them. <laughs> of course they did. But yeah, you can rely on your mates to, to keep that sort of <laughs> Guaranteed. Shit. They've got every embarrassing article or, you know, photo shoot I've ever done probably oh, stashed away somewhere for a rainy day. I'm sure they'll all see it surface again at some point. At least you were the horse's face, not the horse's ours. Yeah. Could have, <laughs> ours. Could, could have been worse. I was going to say, I was going to say, so <laughs> they could have done it earlier, that's for sure. And not the only, like, tough times in your career after after Hull. Uh, you were without a club for quite a while, wasn't it? Yeah, God, yeah, the COVID, kind of early COVID times and the fallout from leaving Hull kind of feels like a bad dream, really. I, it's it's not something I ever, I've probably ever really been able to process fully, you know, like, obviously got to March 2020 when the league just shut down and Hull, um, you know, I was, um, you know, vice captain, captain on the pitch of the club at the time, um, been there three years, hundred, I played a hundred, over a hundred games. Yeah. You know, I had an option on my contract at the end of the season. I was you know, still full international for Australia. been at a world cup the year before, you know, 18 months before. And I basically just got kind of pushed out the door and, um, Wow. In pre, you know, it was, you know, the, the club made their decisions in, in that way. And then, you know, there was the fallout of when the club, when the league restarted for the last nine games, um, you know, I'd been told, you know, I wasn't going to be there for the next season. And, you know, I made the decision at the time not to play in the last nine games. because so I was obviously going to be searching for a new club and I was basically going to be putting myself in a position of, you know, risk, I mm. guess. Um, it's an interesting one you look back on. Maybe that was, Part of the reason, I don't know, you can't, you can't read, do too much into this stuff. But, you know, obviously after that, I ended up not playing football until January 2021. You know, I went nearly 10, I went 10 months without a game. You know, I had fallouts with the, my agent at the time who, you know, deals fell through. I was, and, you know, you went from being, as I say, in a position where you played at a World Cup 18 months before, playing in a championship as a leader to, you know, I was training in a dog park in Hull on my own with a set of cones, and you know what I mean. It was that's mad. It was absolute. Yeah, it was it was wild how quickly it how quickly it came, and then time. Were you worried? Time, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't find a new club. Oh, definitely. There was well, maybe not find a new club, but there was points where I thought my career would never reach, you know, the levels that I that you know that I'm at now, but at a at a good level again. Um, you know, I thought. You know, not to be disrespectful to, to, to some of these clubs, but at the time I was, some of the clubs I was getting phone calls from, I was like, oh my God, like, is that my, yeah, you know, is that my hey, level now? Don't talk like yeah. shit. You like that, man. Was one of them Tramier Rovers? <laughs> no, no, oh, you know, okay. That's, that's my team. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really did. I was like, okay, that could be, you know, yeah. you know at, the, at, at 27, 28, I was like, that could be, you know, a, a turning point, a real point. But thankfully, as you say, I hadn't kicked a football for 10 months and Hibbs brought me in, gave me the opportunity to play um, yeah. immediately after, after not kicking a ball for that long. I signed and three days later I was in the team and, you know, played and we finished third and got playing the cup final. And, you know, they, as I say, they gave me an opportunity to kind of resurrect my career out, out of nothing. And yeah, they were they were well aware of the circumstances, everyone at the club at the time of, of you know, I was wanted to play a role to help the team have success in that short period. And, um, you know, it, it gave me an opportunity to then look for the lifestyle and footballing change, which I definitely needed yeah. after that, <laughs> you know, after that experience. And, you know, after kicking, yeah, being not playing football for 10 months and leading into 2021 and then, you know, 18 months later playing in the knockout stages of a World Cup again, 
as you say, it's it's football goes in really big swings around about sometimes. But that's a yeah, as you say, that those six months without support of obviously my girlfriend and my family and everyone around me, I would you know, as you say, I think there's times there I would just packed it in. It must have taken such a huge toll on you, you know, that especially going from the highs of playing in front of thousands at the weekend to dodging dog shit in a, in a park you know yeah. it, I'm sure at times you were just like I could be back in Australia with my family right mm-hmm. now you know t- take my girlfriend over start a new yeah. did it cross your mind? well that was the thing we were also in a lockdown mm-hmm. it was also during like it was there was so much other stuff going on at the time and he had to kind of use that as a bit of perspective that was probably the silver lining of it all was the perspective of like right there is so much worse kind of going on in the world and, you know, the struggles of my football career right now. And, mm. you know, obviously it's hard to sometimes look past your own set of circumstances, but that was a real help for me at that time, I guess. But, um, you know, especially with my partner working in emergency services and some of the stuff that she talked about, and it's like, bloody hell, right. Yeah. You know, perspective, me me, me yeah. not having a football club is not the worst thing yeah. in the world. Like, yeah. I will play again. Mm. It will be okay. So that was, a, that was a, a huge help for me. But, yeah, no, of course, there was. I went through such roundabouts of emotions of like frustration and anger and then like denial you know (laughs) and then like and then back to like an acceptance of right this is my situation but then that very swiftly turns back into anger yeah (laughs) and frustration a few times right yeah so um no it was as i say it's a it was a really bizarre period of my career and life but um you know thankfully it all kind of led me here yeah we're all Glad and grateful you persevered. So, mm. yeah, good man. <laughs> it, it takes a lot yeah. like, to go through that and come out the other side. Uh, it's It takes a lot, so good man. Did that ever cross your mind whenever you were lining up for Australia at the World Cup, just thinking about how far you had come in such a short space of time? It must be so surreal mm. to be standing there like against some of the best players in the world. Like, you're yeah. standing next to Aaron Boyd. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Highlight of a career. Every, every time I get to play with Azar, no, it's, um, yeah, for sure. There's nothing like in any, I think it's like in, in any, in anybody's life when you go through the big moments, it makes you reflect on, mm. on everything that's happened to get you there. And there was definitely a lot of that going on within the World Cup. Us as a group, together, and as individuals, and um, you need to, and that, that's the kind of stuff, especially for a team like Australia, you need to use that stuff to fuel you because, you know, of course, we've got talented players, like you, like you say there, but when you're up against players of that quality, you need to tap into every little bit of you that you can use to drive yourself on. And those kinds of memories and emotions are the exact fuel. And that's why you see it all pour out on the pitch. That's why players do get so emotional on yeah. the big stage because, it, you know, it, it's, it is a, such a um, explosion of everything coming together through your life and career at one time, and then it's just all so concentrated in this, and and that's why it just like it just seems to pour out. I guess that kind of semi starts to explain why you bust your balls every game, or seem to bust your balls every <laughs> game, because I guess you know what it's like to not have that as well in mm-hmm. that ten month period. So yeah. it's uh, and it's especially was it the last game four minutes in. You're absolutely clattered and you still managed to see it through to the end of the game. But. Is that because your family was there? You were like, oh, fuck, I'm not going off. Yeah. <laughs> All the way from Australia, <laughs> injured after four minutes. Exactly right. No, I did. I got absolutely crunched early on and I was like, oh, no, not today. Yeah, right. Like, mm-hmm. of all days, yeah. not today. Could see but, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny how it's, it, it happens. It happened at, you know, Braunschweig. I just had the suspension for the other card and then four minutes in, you get nutted in the face and you have to go off yeah and, right oh yeah yeah we were gonna ask yeah. about that because it's just pulled the world cup and stuff as well yeah and that was on the sunday and house i was on the friday and you're like oh, you just it just as you say it's never it's football it happens yeah. um because you seem really really pissed off when that happened when the guy came through oh, the side of your face. absolutely livid yeah <laughs> absolutely livid he was so late and it yeah. was so reckless yep I was really, really gutted about that one. As I say, I think just because of the circumstance, I was frustrated. I'd missed the game before, yeah. and then five—not even five minutes in—and yeah. that happens. And then I remember, <laughs> I think you probably—I think they caught a bit of the audio actually on the time <laughs> on the pit or on the sky cameras. Um, we can lip read as well. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting on the ground, and you kind of have that moment of like your brain's shaking, and then you sit up, and the physios are there, and the medical are there, and. You know, and they're all mic'd up to each other. And, you know, the physio goes, his mic and it Joe. And obviously he's like, you know, Jackson, Jackson he's going to have to come off. And I'm just like, 
no chance. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly yeah. what you said. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, I please no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally, I lost it. And I was like, no, no chance I'm coming off in that. And they were like, you're coming off. Like, oh, absolutely. Man. And then I proceeded to, as I was walking off the pitch, I tried to get back on and give the guy a mouthful again <laughs> like, as he was getting. Like a scoundrel just trying to run back on the pitch. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And then I got, I got downstairs and had one look at it and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, shit, yeah that was, that, that absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think I messaged Luke straight away. I was like, ah, oh, shit, like, uh, that, that looked pretty brutal. Yeah, grievous bodily harm. And he did it the next week as well. Yeah, he did it again to someone yeah. as well, didn't he? Yeah. So, no, not ideal, but. As you say, all roads led to the derby five days later. So I was all yeah. I was up by the way because you yeah. you captained the, the team that derby, right? Yeah, that derby well, victory. Yeah, I did indeed, and um, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, it was first. It was my first full house derby as well because I think both derbies last um, season were um, were limited capacity. So that was yeah, it was unbelievable, unbelievable night. Um, yeah, as you say, like, it was just one of them. We just, everything clicked into place for us again. Obviously, the red card in, in the first half was a huge help, but, um, yeah, boys played played unbelievable. That was a great night. I guess those are the sort of nights that you were dreaming of whenever you were still at Celtic, thinking about winning the old firm. Does that make up for it in any way that, you know, it didn't, didn't eventually work out at Celtic, but you're still getting those those huge story wins? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, it's a, it's a tough place. It's, it's, it's a great, amazing place to have kind of learned and grown into football, but it's also a hard one because it's so hard to ever, mm. you know, be a part of something like that again. Like of week to week, I say 100% Milan Torres, the best atmosphere, like week to week. It's every home game is just incredible. Um, European nights and old firms in uh, Celtic Park yeah. are like, Special. I like it. Better than World Cups, better than anything you experience in football. It's like, it's, uh, and obviously 65,000 helps as well. You yeah. Know, but it's, it's, it's twice uh, the size of the meeting. Yeah, right? exactly right. And it's, it's just, it's just electric. It's, yeah. Um, and it's, it's difficult, as you say, because then you, you go out into, into football and you just even, even being a part of that in, in, a, in as an academy player, being, you know, in the stands and, be a part of the club and yeah it's just like nothing else it's absolutely wild you touched upon the world cup uh and you obviously played against some great players you played in the the messy 1000th game mm-hmm. like how how was the world cup experience for you aside from all the political stuff like i think that's for another day right yeah <laughs> but in, in terms of the footballing sense how how did that like play down with you in this team because there's a lot of following back home there's a bit of a uh, a an increase in the attention being paid to football, soccer. It's not normally the number one sport back home. Yeah, uh, the fan engagement with the atmospheres that were at home. I'm sure a lot of people probably saw on social media. Yeah, it was scenes wild. In Square yeah. in Melbourne. I just never dreamed that football, especially a team that I was a part of, would be able would, would generate that kind of feeling. And um, it was. Absolutely, it was so special to see and so unique. So for us, that was obviously, yeah, to revive, rejuvenate. I don't know. It's not revive. It's football is it's constantly growing in Australia, but it just feels like we hit roadblock after roadblock in, in a lot of ways. And that just felt like a real moment of, I don't know, everybody in the football community in Australia just coming together and being like, this is like a huge time for us, a huge moment. And obviously, we what we achieved was was you know obviously incredible as well on the pitch and. As you say, the the World Cup experience for us footballing wise was probably better than any of us could ever imagine. Obviously, Australia's only ever won two games of World Cups in its history, and obviously we won two games in one group, <laughs> which is which is just uh, insane. And losing to the two finalists yeah. and the nature of the way those games went, um, yeah, just it all the whole experience was so fulfilling in every way from football and such perspective and emotional perspective as well, I guess. But yeah, the football side of things, it's just, it's surreal. It's surreal. But we were so, we didn't let it overwhelm us, which um, for me was was the most pleasing thing, especially for the younger guys. They handled it immensely well, far better than I did four years ago. Right, cool. Yeah. Just before we move on from the World Cup, um, the important question, who's better, Messi or Derry legend Paddy McCourt? Incom- 
put a blindfold on and then yeah, you wouldn't know. You put a mask on him, you wouldn't know who was who. Two, two piece in a pot, eh? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Pat, Patty McCourt, the most naturally gifted footballer I've oh. ever had the pleasure of training with. He's an enigma. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> He's if he was in played in the sixties, the George Best era, he'd have been a ball and ball. not like he was, yeah. he was just from the wrong generation. But oh my god, he was a really nice guy as well. He was really yeah. sound with the younger guys and stuff as well. He was he was hard on your training as well, but he was he was he was a good bloke. Well, He's a proper throwback of a player. If you yeah. if you're listening and you've never watched Paddy McCourt before, just uh, search him. Paddy on- McCourt, Derry Pelling, get yourself on, <laughs> get yourself on YouTube and watch and. An incredible highlight reel of goals. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, unbelievable highlight reel of goals. Oh, man. We're great. not going to try and crack. He did that every week. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but whenever he wanted to, fuck yeah. me, he could turn it on. Oh, could he? Yeah. Well, you're also a big fan of football shots. Mm-hmm. Did you manage to get your hands on any from the players whilst you were out there? I did, yeah. Obviously, the big one was the Giroud shirt that kind of had its viral moment on, on Twitter, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, he was... He was super sound, and you yeah. know, uh, yeah, we, we we swapped jerseys. So uh, I think that was the only one I actually got in the end because after the Tunis, I'm I'm a shocker for it because at the end of a game, like whether win or loss, either way, I'm just too caught up in yeah. the feelings at the end of a game to be. I'm never thinking about it. I think it was because I got the hook in the 80th minute against you guys, <laughs> and I had 10 minutes to kind uh, of relax and be like, oh, I'm I might be trying to get a shirt. <laughs> so um, normally I'm just like on a different. Yeah, uh, so I, I haven't got a, a a huge collection of, of swap shirts, but um, yeah, no, that was that's my my highlight because I think that was the game he went all time uh, top goal scorer for France. Oh France's yeah, that's right. It's not so a bad one to get, a, right? It's a pretty spe- or at least level mm-hmm. I think with equal top. So it's a pretty special one to have. So that's one. That's, that's, that's one for the for the wall. And overall, like, do you know how many football tops you have? Like, it must be a big collection by now, right? Oh yeah, the rack is the the rack is is thick. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's um, especially after the birthday now. Oh yeah, God, the the birthday is 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 only is only yeah overloaded it a bit more, but it's been it's awesome. Um, I work. Oh, it's 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 so funny. We laugh about it. Like, you look at any photo of me from from when I was a kid, and I've just I've, it's like I've, it's like I've just worn nothing but football that's my whole life. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a huge part of of my life. I love not just from a nostalgic point of view, but from the fashion point of view and everything as well. And just I love great players, great everything about it. I love about football shirts. I don't know to, and uh, it's obviously it's had a huge revival um, in kind of. Yeah, I don't know what you want to call it, like fashion culture a bit as well. So it's it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's been packaged now as commerce options, right? Where you can mm-hmm. get mystery kits and mm-hmm. retro kits, and there's all these kind of. I'm not trying to plug any sites here. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's, want to sponsor, which case, <laughs> we're here for it. Like, send us a message. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Okay, right. <laughs> sponsor opportunities. Yeah. RetroShirts.com, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, good. Unfortunately, we're kind of running out of time here, but so we won't be able to get through all the questions that like our listeners asked on on Twitter they're mostly just like what's your haircut routine why are you so beautiful why are you so good at football which we don't want to ask anyway because you know don't want to embarrass you because <laughs> um, <laughs> none of them are true <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did get a you had a couple we did get a couple yeah so uh, just going back to your your football top collection is there one in particular that you really cherish not just because like you love it, or is there one that might have a story behind it, or something like that? Um, I've got a couple of yeah, a couple a couple of ones that 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 have got some good stories behind them, like ones that were, and they're but they're usually the ones from that I've actually swapped. Yeah. You know, the real ones. Um, I was lucky enough to swap with Roberto Firmino when I played um, against Liverpool in the cup for um, for Burton, um, and again, just like. It's always when they're super sound and mm. like these guys, and they go out of their out of their way to to especially as a young player who I was at that time was it one of you know one of the best in the Premier League at the time and um they they they're particularly memorable so I've got a couple of ones like that um, you do know that he's out of contract soon yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> get on the horn yeah get, get Bobby Dazzler in the in the brown and white oh yeah no he yeah he's could you imagine his teeth against the brown kid? It would really, <laughs> really shine. Like, I think that's enough to get him over. <laughs> I'd have to get him to get his little top knot back as well. Like, that'd be essential. But no, nah, that that would be done. And then probably from the retro collection, I've got a 96 euros uh, France away sedan. 
Ooh, so nice. down 10 with the, that's like from the old Adidas equipment kind of era. It's an absolute gem. It's one of the ones I very rarely, I would very, very rarely even wear because mm. it's that, it's that, it's that nice, you know? So that's one of them. Is there anything you don't favorite. wear? Um, I don't think there's any I don't wear. Okay, that's good. I, th- I think they're like, I don't know. It's one of them. It's, it's hard because some of them are obviously valuable, but also what's the value in it if you, yeah, right. if you don't wear them? I have this conversation with my mates all the time. Yeah. I've got a friend who's got, I don't know how many finished football tops and they just sit in his drawer. He's like too afraid to touch them. Almost. Yeah. But I, I've got a couple that are starting to, the, one of the first ones I ever got was my Barca 96 one Stoichkov on the back. Um, who I actually met in Paris, by the way, Oof. when I was there, which was a cool moment. I got to show him a picture nice. of me in his, in his chair. I was like, oh, just <laughs> like a little geek. Like, look, <laughs> look at this. Um, That's how I felt at your birthday with Eric Smith. Me and you both. I show you our stickers. Yeah, yeah. We made that. We made that. <laughs> no, no. He's like, get away from me, weirdos. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a restraining order coming yeah, as we speak. The, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, but that's starting to get like, you know, when you get the pulls and that on the, on these jerseys, the bobbles, and it's like, <sighs> No, I need to wear it sparingly. Oh, can you retire but, it or something? Yeah, I was going to say, it needs to be a, a section at the back for, for ones that have, have outdone their, their wear. Happy days. Any more questions, lads, or have you taken up enough of Jacko's time? Yeah, I think we've uh, taken more than enough, to be fair. Well, I think we should probably say a, a special thank you to you, Jacko, of course, uh, and also to Dave, who led us into the Levi's room here, and to Hannes of St. Pauli. Uh, who, who made it all possible, right? Cheers, Pleasure, guys. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs> next seven in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, see you in 57 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>